Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 6, and our chapter reading for today is Nehemiah chapter 4. Well, the building has begun in earnest, and anytime you do anything for God, there's always going to be opposition. Listen, there will always be opposition. Always. No exceptions. It will be from without or within or both. But we do not do anything without opposition in this life. So we better learn how to deal with opposition. Let's take some notes from Nehemiah chapter 4 today. But it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? They had been burned. When Nebuchadnezzar came in over a hundred years earlier, over a hundred and forty years earlier, there had been great devastation, so much so that the city lay waste, and the stones that had been overturned were huge. There had been no one to rebuild them. They had rebuilt some portions of it in some places just to make their houses and so forth. The temple had been rebuilt. People were living in what was once the city. But remember what I have told you earlier in the Bible and in the ancient world, a city was not a city unless it was walled. Not what had once been. The base was still there and in places it was built up and other places it was totally destroyed. So there wasn't much of a fortification. And so now this came, that is, this opposition came in the form of mockery, mocking. Yes, that's right. If we're going to do the work of God, we need to understand that everybody is not going to be with us and many will mock us. Not only that, they will ridicule. They will be sarcastic. Look what Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside Sambalat, said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes upon it, it'll break down the stone wall. Now, I would say that's pretty sarcastic. Does the enemy we deal with play by the rules? No. No, this is why many times God's people are overruled, upset, and defeated. Not that we are going to uh, disobey the law of God, but we've got to understand that the human heart is wicked. No one can understand it. It is vile. We are fallen, depraved people, and Nehemiah was going right up against it. And so will you, so will I, if we do the work of God. Listen, Jesus did nothing but perfection. He did everything just the way he should have done it, when he should have done it, in the way he should have done it. And he always spoke what he should have spoke just when he should have spoken it and he was perfect and they hung him on a cross if you think you and i with our sinful obnoxious behavior at times are going to get by with anything less 
then we're just not living in the real world. We're living in a Western bubble where we have been the ruling class for generations. Now the tide is turning and we're seeing that it's not all that it was for our forefathers, that we are no longer living in what is classified as a Christian nation. So what do you do? What do you do when opposition comes against you? Well, over and over again, I want you to look at what Nehemiah did, because God gives us a pattern here. And again, this is not just descriptive. This is prescriptive. Now, a lot of the Bible is descriptive and not prescriptive. That is, it just describes what's going on. It's not laying out a prescription that we should do exactly the same thing in the same way that someone did it. But here, this is a pattern that is prescriptive. We can learn from this. Look in verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. They hate us. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Now, that was not a sweet little prayer. He said, God, you see what they're doing. You deal with them. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. You see, they were not just ridiculing the Jews, the people that had come back to rebuild the wall. When you're doing God's work, which Nehemiah was, and people are against you, then they are going against the will of God. This was the will of God. These people had their minds made up that they didn't want their authority taken away from them. And so they began to mock, ridicule, threaten. And so what did Nehemiah do? Did he start going, oh, what are we going to do? This is so awful. I'm a victim. Why are they coming after me like this? No, no, no. You know what he did? He prayed. He sought the face of God. But he didn't stop there. And neither can you and I. Prayer is not an end all. It is a means for recognizing that God is sovereign, that he's allowed whatever to happen to happen so that we'll turn to him so that he can work, he can give us wisdom, he can give us direction, and he can help us. So look at verse 6. After they prayed, we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They didn't just gather together in prayer meetings and expect God to build that wall and to defeat the enemy. God had given them skills. He had given them the ability. He had given them the provision to do it. They had all kinds of stones and wood before them because all of that was being provided by the king. And so what they did is they got up off their seats and went to work. This is the way the work of God is done. It's done through prayer and work, prayer and effort, prayer and endeavor. We do what we know to do, and God makes up the difference. This is so critical, and this is the pattern all the way through Nehemiah, prayer and work, prayer and work. The work of God has to be done by people. Now, God could do everything himself. He's God. He could send angels to do it. He's God, but he has chosen you and me to be co-labors with him, fellow labors. We're in fellowship with God and working. What a blessed honor, but it starts in the mind. So the people had a mind to work. They didn't just pray. They put feet to their prayers. 
When I was in Texas pastoring, I remember it very plainly. There was a huge pasture field with a lot of cattle in it. And there was a guy there that he was comical, to say the least, and he could tell a story, and he's a little bit tongue-tied. And uh, not to be making fun, but just to hear him talk sometimes and tell a story and get excited would be comedy in itself. But he was going across a shortcut through a field, which had about a six-strand barbed wire fence, and they were very close. In other words, stay out. But he climbed the fence, and when he got in, started walking about halfway across, and there was no cover for him. It was just an open field in Texas, plain, no trees, anything. He saw the bull of the field, and the reason there was a six-strand barbed wire fence. And that bull started after him. It was his territory. Those were his ladies that he was intruding into their area. And he said that that bull started after him. Someone that was listening with me said, well, what did you do? Called his name. And he said, well, they said, well, did you pray? He said, oh, yeah, I prayed. He said, Lord, here comes that bull. I'm going to pick my feet up if you will help me put them down quickly. You see, he understood that he could have prayed there, and he'd probably been killed if that's all he did, but God gave him enough sense to run and to get out of that field, and God helped him to escape that. Why? Because he had enough sense to do what God had given him the wisdom to do and the training to do. Get out of there. You see, Nehemiah prayed, but he didn't just pray. He did something about it. The people had a mind to work, and they finished it, not by just praying, but by praying and working. You see, God has a part, and we have a part in every aspect of the Christian life. And we've gotten this idea somehow in America that it's all God, that God doesn't expect anything out of us. It's all grace. All we need to do is just pray, let go and let God Well, let me just tell you, that's sometime a real cop-out, and it's laziness, and it's made us lazy. Now, it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were going to be closed, that they became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Attack and create confusion. Attack and create confusion. This is a roadmap to how the enemy thinks, what are his steps and what are his digressions and how he digresses in his thinking, and it gets worse and worse, and how the people of God are to respond. First, it was mocking, ridicule. It was all just about words. It was sarcasm, this, that, and the other. And then when they saw that they weren't going to discourage them that way, and that was just going to be a goad in their side, they began to threaten and say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to attack you, we're going to take you to court. I know that's now. We're going to do all of these things, and that's what they do, physically attack. That's why they're shootings. That's why they're are these mass shootings in churches. This is why the threatening and lawsuits. This is the enemy's way it always has been. But what did the people of God do? Well, look what it says. Nevertheless, nevertheless, in spite of the threats, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Here we go. Verse 9, what they do, they prayed. Then what they do, they did something. They set a watch. They set up security. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there's not so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. You see, this is the enemy's way to attack, to discourage, 
And our adversary said, They will neither know nor see anything, that is, the Jews, till we have come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was that the Jews who dwelt near them came, and they told us ten times, From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. In other words, they sent in their own people among the people of God to discourage them. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people, that is, at the most vulnerable spots, and I set the people according to their families. You see, you've got to get the families involved. Why? Because that's the centerhead, the fountainhead of the culture, our society, our communities, our churches, are the families. We've got to get the families involved. And they've got to come with their swords, their spears, and their bows. In other words, we need to train our children for battle. We need to train our people for battle because it's coming. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. This is not a political thing. This is existential. This is for our very lives. You see, this is why we need to understand as Americans that we're not fighting a war as they are in Israel on their own soil. Oh, we've got a cultural war going on, and now it is taking up arms simply because of what you see in the major cities of America is just out-and-out killings, people killing one another over and over again. But what I'm telling you is, even though that's beginning to happen in America— That's how Israel has lived. You see, they're in a bad neighborhood. People don't like them over there. Now, they do now more than they did because they see it's a benefit to them. And they see that Israel's strong. And they see that they have now developed a network of allies. But I want to tell you, Israel is not fighting just a political war. They're fighting an existential war. If they lose, it's over for them. They cannot give up this land. So they fight like it is for their brethren, their sons, their daughters, their families, because it is. And you and I have to realize this is what mentality we have to take up. Pray yes. Pray yes. We remember our God. We pray to our God. We trust our God. But God wants us to get in the battle. Get off the sidelines. Quit complaining and do something about it. And it happened when our enemies heard that this was known to us. In other words, we really knew what they were doing. That everyone just returned to his work, but from now on, everything had changed. Verse 16, so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the whole armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. And those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, with the other hand they held a weapon, a sword in one hand, a trowel in the other. Every one of the builders had a sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And he told them, basically, if indeed you hear this trumpet, you drop what you're doing and you come and help because we're into it. It's on. And so he said in verse 23, so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except everyone took them off for washing. In other words, we slept in our clothes. Why? Because we had to be ready 24-7. And the only time we took our clothes off was just to have them washed and that gave us a little rest period and then we got right back at it again and everybody didn't do that. They had a plan. 
Listen, the enemy is coming. He's among us. And what we've got to do is learn to pray and be people of prayer and seek the face of God 24-7. We've got to pray. When our eyes are open, before we shut our eyes, God, protect us. Keep us walking with you. Guard our minds, our thoughts, our dreams, everything we're doing. God, if I rise in the morning, may I rise to serve you and to be on alert. Be vigilant. Peter said, for our enemy is walking about, roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to eat you up. He wants to eat your family up. He wants to destroy you. He is a thief. He's a klepto. Jesus said the thief, the klepto, comes not but for to kill, to destroy, to ruin your life. Satan wants to ruin your life. Jesus wants to save you. He wants to save your soul. He wants to save your spirit. He wants to save your body, the totality of who you are, so that you cannot just sit around and say, now I'm saved and satisfied and on my way to heaven. Get up off your seat and let's get in the battle together. Let's arise and build the kingdom of God in Jesus' name as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.